Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. A new season of The Bachelor began this week, which means Bachelor Party with Juliet Lippman is back in full swing. She's back twice a week with Monday's show covering each new episode and Thursday's show covering Vanderpump Rules with several appearances from David Jacoby. This week, The Bachelor himself, Peter Weber, joins Juliet to talk about the season ahead. You can subscribe to Bachelor Party wherever you get your podcasts and join the Bachelor Party Facebook group for insights, gossip, breaking news, and more. All right, all right, all right. My hungry homies, my taste buds, my culinary comrades, we have done it. Happy New Year. Happy New Decade. We're all here together. It's House of Carbs, the food podcast for the hungry people, by the hungry people. On the Ringer Podcast Network, I am your hungry host, Joe House. My taste buds, we are coming out hot in 2020. I know you would expect nothing less. We have an unbelievable interview with a D.C. homie, the self-proclaimed D.C. king of carbs. Andrew Dana is on the show talking about two restaurants that he's founded in the last half decade or so that have received a ton of national acclaim. I have been enjoying the pizza at Timber Pizza Company for several years now. And the newcomer, Call Your Mother, that's the bagel joint, lines around the block Every single weekend, we were also very lucky to get a nationally acclaimed, internationally well-known, a true pioneer in the restaurant game. Danny Meyer was here in Washington, D.C. He founded iconic New York City restaurants like the Union Square Cafe, like Gramercy Tavern, the modern inside of the, the Museum of Modern Art in New York City, Mayalino. You also know Danny, and this is how I got to know him very well, through his Shake Shack restaurant. He's the founder of Shake Shack, which started as a hot dog cart in 2000. He is bringing his Roman Trattoria, Mayalino, down to Washington, D.C. I grabbed them. We did a long interview, but I wanted to sit down with him and get at the very beginning of the year, his thoughts on some delicious holiday dining that he just did, as well as a little bit of a forecast for 2020 and beyond. And so we have both Andrew Dana and Danny Meyer on this episode next week, the full sit down with Danny Meyer. My hungry homies, sit back, relax, feel free to go ahead and loosen your belt. Or if you're already in sweatpants, that's terrific. Let's go ahead and enjoy this delicious episode. We're going to get in that belly with Andrew Dana. All right, my taste buds, we are extremely fortunate to have here in the nation's capital. It's not every day we have access to a true visionary in the restaurant business. It's the first week of 2020. And so we have here a guest available to talk to us about what he sees might be happening in 2020 and maybe even the the, the decade to come. Danny Meyer, welcome to Washington, D.C. Hey, thank you, Joe. We're My- excited to be here and we're opening 
Myelina Omari, and really excited to bring our first full-service restaurant to Washington, D.C. We've been doing Shake Shack for a lot of years, and now we're going to show you, but we also know a couple things even beyond hamburgers. <laughs> we're, we're, I, I'm personally very excited uh, for the Myelino Amare uh, experience, and thanks for coming to Washington. Um, I want to start with, because the holidays are right in our rearview mirror, um, holiday eating traditions in the Meyer household. Is there something that that you do every uh, Christmas Hanukkah time? You know this the stretch that we were just in in terms of uh, a family tradition for eating. Yeah, we overdo it. <laughs> well, that's the American way. Yeah, no, we overdo it every single year. Thanksgiving is is my favorite. Of yes, all. Thanksgiving is a holiday that we always get our entire family together. My brother and sister, my mom, all of the spouses and kids, and and everything like that, and. Um, Everybody pitches in. Everybody cooks. We alternate where it happens, okay. um, but uh, everybody pitches in something, and and it's one of those. It's, it's, it actually reminds me a lot of Rome because it's the same meal every single year. Okay, it's, all right. Is not, there a signature Danny dish amongst these? Um, I always am responsible for the turkey. In fact, there's usually two turkeys. One okay. of them is usually roasted, and often one of them is smoked on the. In the barbecue smoker. Well, sure. And, Blue smoke. Um, and then I'm also charged with doing the uh, the sausages, which I love doing. Excuse me, the stuffings, one of which has sausage yeah, in it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, someone does, my wife does the mashed potatoes and cream spinach, and my brother does the Brussels sprouts out of our Union Square Cafe cookbook, I might add. I was going to ask. So do, how much do you ever, um, is there any family tradition where you go to any of your restaurants over this holiday? Never, Thanks. never, <laughs> never, never, never no. is the answer. No, we do sometimes, we do have a family get together at Union Square Cafe, which is usually the week before Thanksgiving. Okay, It's whenever all the kids are out of school, we, we get everybody together and oh, get a big long table at Union Square Cafe. But um, that's it. And then- Christmas is kind of all over the place. Uh, depends on who's where and okay, yeah, yeah. So there's no like set, you know, the once a year rib roast kind of thing. It just, you know, if we're in town, rib roast is exactly what I would eat. Okay, good because I, 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 I love a good rib roast. I had a rib roast. I did a nine pounder over over the holidays and plenty and of salt. I uh, uncovered it and salted it with big chunky Himalayan and let it sit in the refrigerator uncovered like that for two days. Yeah. With so the you, salt. you nailed it. Oh, oh wow. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so pleased to hear no, that. No, I mean, I think that rib roast is a special deal. You don't do it very often, right? Right. Once so, a year. So you don't want to mess it up. And two ways you can mess it up are you didn't season it and you overcooked it. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you, you nailed both of those. Well, I, I, we did, uh, I, it was a four bone and I left all the bones in. I don't have the, technical skill to cut the bones properly and then reattach them with the twine and all of that. So I just left the bones in. I'm going to give you one tip that I've learned through the years because rib roast is my go-to if, yeah. if we happen to be around is um, I always get uh, a little bigger than I think I'm going to need. And then I'll hack off the end rib and I will wrap it like crazy and put it in the freezer. Okay. Because that becomes a dividend, and there's going to be some night in the next year where I'm going to feel like having a grilled rib steak wow. for dinner with a nice bottle of wine. And it's like a it's like when you find a ten dollar bill oh. in your pants pocket that you forgot about. 
What you, a revelation. When you, find, when you find that rib in your freezer. Oh, so the, the, the play is to go to the butcher, get a five bone and cook the whole thing and then hack no, off. No, oh, hack you it off before, before you cook before it. You, before right. Cooking, and now right, you've got it. Right. Now you got a steak to cook. Yes. Yes. Oh, what a, what a miracle. I love it. Now I did the, um, 200 degrees in the oven for like seven and a half, eight hours. Um, and then a 15 to 20 minute sear. Cause it had a huge fat cap on it. Uh, and in fact, the fat cap caught on fire, which is not supposed to happen, but <laughs> <laughs> it was close enough to the, we had the, you know, we had to get the oven up to 550. Anyway, it turned out great. I'm going to put some pictures up on, on, on the gram. Um, because I, I've, I've been dying to talk about this and I'm so happy to have you validate By the way, it. one other cool thing when you're doing that, please is, um, is you take some raw sliced onions, slice them pretty thick, mm. dot the entire top of your fat cap as you're roasting this, put a toothpick in each of the onions. And so the onion juice goes into your, your roast, but then as soon as those onions are cooked, take them off, put them somewhere, and then serve them on the side. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. It's great. I, I mean, I'm not surprised that I'm sitting here talking with the food expert and getting these incredible suggestions. But now I might have to do like a February I mean, rib roast. roast. Roasted onions are great. And yeah. if they have a little beef flavor, all oh the better. Gosh, you're kidding me. Well, I I we could do holiday eating uh for another 20 minutes, but I I want to grab you get your thoughts on some of the things that you are anticipating for 2020 in terms of trends maybe in innovations we've seen so 2019 just to sort of set the stage had kind of the rise of plant-based protein um or maybe that that's been going on longer but i mean it's really uh in the mainstream now the burger king commercials with the impossible beef and so forth. That's kind of one thing that we saw. And then some of these alternative milks, uh, you know, uh, nut-based, plant-based milks um, sort of coming to the fore. And then um, something that you are intimately familiar with, which is continued uh, innovation of what, what folks call fast casual. I know you've talked about Shake Shack as being fine casual, mm -hmm. sort of innovations in that direction. Those are all things that have been happening and will continue to happen. Um, I think, look, if, if, if I know any one thing about 2020 yes. is that there's an enormous question mark lo looming over the entire year. I think people wonder what's going to happen economically. People okay. wonder what's going to happen politically. People wonder um, uh, whether they should be doing the things that they can do. Just because you can do something doesn't necessarily mean you should do it. So what's an example of that? I can now spend my entire life at home. Mm -hmm. I, I could. Right. I can spend it at home. I can get all the entertainment I need. Um, I can push a button and have food delivered to my home. Never have to leave. Never have to leave home for anything. Now, I can do that. But should I do that? I'm a, I'm a human being. I'm a social creature. Um, I should probably go out and get exercise. I probably should go out and see my friends. I probably should go to restaurants. I probably should occasionally even go to a movie theater mm -hmm. and I should go to a baseball game, even though I could watch that in the comfort of my living room. Right. And so I think that this should be a year where people realize just because I am walking around with this handheld remote control to life, also known as my smartphone, yes, doesn't mean that that is what life is about. Just because... I think I'm connecting with the entire world by scrolling through Instagram or Twitter or whatever 
that's false. It's not really, it's not, it's not like really connecting with people. So I'm hopeful that this is a year um, where people are going to get back to what's real and people being with people is real. Last year, you're absolutely right. Was advent of plant-based laboratory created fake meat. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see this year be the year of plant-based vegetables. Can you imagine that? <laughs> and I can tell you, for example, at Shake Shack, where we do not serve laboratory created anything. Yes. We are working as hard as we can possibly work on making craveable vegetables that taste like vegetables that aren't trying to be anything that they're not. And, and I do believe that that uh, this is a year of of connection with with real with real things. And I think that restaurants remain one of those parts of our lives that people can actually restore themselves. That's where the word comes from, restaurant. Ah. And you restore yourself by being with people. And I think the table is a great place to talk and to be. You know, we're human beings. We're not human doings. And I I, I really, really hope that uh, that we can play a role in that. I think restaurants are needed more than ever. Right. This is where they they have, uh, at least in, in my life, become the single place of, of convening for friends from my, across my entire spectrum, friends and, and family, the, the easiest way to get together with folks this day and age, for whatever reason, in my uh, uh, lofty age is, is restaurants e eating together. That's and, the and thing. it works. It actually, it actually <laughs> right. works. Right. Yes. Okay. Well, I, I, uh, how about uh, union square uh, hospitality group, which is a slightly different, question obviously Jen, uh the the idea of everybody going to restaurants and connecting at restaurants works for, for that but what about anything particular that you guys have in the works well we are um very very focused obviously on myelina mari yes. here in washington dc this is a big deal for us because we want to prove to ourselves that that what we do and what we cook and and, and how we hope to create community around a restaurant can work beyond manhattan it's a big deal for us to to come to Washington D.C. and to try to earn a uh, a clientele and a constituency here. And I'm I'm very aware that um, human beings are human beings everywhere. I've I've seen that with Shake Shack. You know, uh, it works in Dubai, it works in Japan, it works in Great Britain, it works in Tennessee, it works all over the place. But we don't yet know how Myelino is going to work in another town. What I do know is that. Human beings long to be long, mm -hmm. and I think we know um, we know how to help people feel like they belong, and so I'm excited about that. Back in New York City, um, we're very excited about growing one of our businesses called Daily Provisions. And Daily Provisions, um, if you've never been there, is we we have two of them right now, and it's a fantastic uh, neighborhood kitchen. It's okay. it's basically an extension of your home kitchen. That does food that you know that you would crave every single day of your life, starting with great coffee in the morning or baked breads, um, breakfast sandwiches, great salads, rotisserie chicken at night. Um, and it does really, really good versions of food that you already know, but you either didn't have time to make at home right. or you just said, I actually cannot make a donut that tastes quite as good as that crawler <laughs> or as, as much as I love roasting chicken, mine actually doesn't even taste that good. And if we can save you time and save you money and deliver pleasure and hospitality, um, that's what Daily Provisions is trying to do. So we will open a third one um, this coming year. 
in in the city and and it's a it's something that we're we're really really excited about because it's bringing a lot of pleasure to a lot of people you walk in you pick your food you walk out or do some people sit down and eat like how's it work yes it's a great question so uh you definitely can sit in there and eat um it doesn't look like your typical fast casual or fine casual restaurant and yet there are no there's no one there's not a, a server taking your order at your table you go to a maitre d uh who takes your order and you know within six or seven minutes santa claus walks out of the kitchen with your gift and it tastes really really good best breakfast sandwich you'll ever have in your life best donut you'll ever have every night we have something called nightly provisions and there's a a nightly special every night it could be uh it could be something it, again it's food you know done better than you knew it could be one night is lasagna night one night is fried chicken night Ooh. one night is pot roast night yes one night is ribs night those yeah. are all my nights every night of the week i love it and great vegetables my menu yeah it's it's really it's a fun idea and it's working daily provisions okay um i will check it out the next time i'm in i'm in new york city i will make i'll go have my coffee i'll have my coffee and breakfast sandwich at a daily provision will you let us so know I can see it yeah of course i'll give i'll give a shout of course um i i one one last thing 2020 um for all the house of carbs listeners and uh, Mayalino uh, Mare might be um, a place that they can go. What's, in your view, an underutilized, underrated pasta? For, the, for all the carbs lovers out there, what's a pasta that's not kind of in the regular rotation that folks ought to go give a try? Bombaloti. I, I, bombaloti? That's, I know bomboloni, the donuts. Yeah, so bombaloti uh, was my favorite pasta when I was living in Rome. Okay. In fact, there was a dish called bomboloti al modo mio, okay. bomboloti done my way. All right. But bomboloti is, it's a half rigatoni. Ooh. So you know what rigatoni yeah. is. Now imagine one that's just half the size. What's great about it is it collects just as much sauce on the inside. Pasta shapes in Italy are brilliant because if you pair the right pasta shape with the right sauce, it does the right thing. Yeah. So it collects just as much of the sauce inside per bite. And it's just fantastic. Okay. And we, ser we serve bomboloti at Maialino Mari with vegetables. Lots and lots. It, oh. it looks like pesto. Okay. Um, but it's all, it's, if you imagine your favorite green juice. Yes. And now imagine a pasta sauce made with all those vegetables okay. that doesn't drink like juice. It yeah. eats like pasta. Yes. And we do that with bomboloti. I prefer it's fantastic. it that way. Okay. 2020, the rise of bomboloti. Danny Meyer, thanks for coming by. I appreciate Thanks, Joe. it. Thank you. All right, my hungry homies, there you have it. Some early 2020 thoughts from a true eminence in the restaurant game. Danny Meyer, like I say, we're going to have a, a long-form interview with him next week talking about uh, his experience at Shake Shack, his experience uh, with his restaurants in New York, and how it is that he finally decided to bring one of his delicious restaurants here to the nation's capital. But I'm very excited for this next interview that you're going to listen to. This is Andrew Dana. He's DC's self-proclaimed king of carbs. He and I are immediate homies for life. Sit back and relax and enjoy this conversation with Andrew Dana. All right, my taste buds. Sometimes... 
the food gods work in mysterious ways, and sometimes they don't. There is nothing mysterious about why the food gods put today's guest into the House of Carbs orbit. He is the self-proclaimed, self-proclaimed king of carbs in Washington, D.C., the founder and co-owner of two award-winning mega-hit restaurants right here in this nation's capital, the 2017 Pizzeria of the Year, according to Bon Appetit magazine, those are our buddies, Timber Pizza Company, and Call Your Mother, a Jewish deli, recognized in 2019 as a best new restaurant in America by both Eater, a top 16 restaurant for them, and Bon Appetit magazine, top 50. Andrew Dana, welcome to House of Cars. That was amazing. Dreams do come true. Thank you. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Well, thank you for finding your way uh, over here. Um, just a couple of, of DC bros, you know, out. home for the holidays. We're cho chopping it up. Um, let's start with how you got here. And I mean, here to this place with these two incredible restaurants, but like kind of also literally here to this moment in time where we're here to, to talk about um, the delicious things you're doing and what is in the future. For sure. For you and your people. It's pretty simple. I was just a, a kid growing up in DC who didn't have any real passions besides playing hoops and grubbing. Uh, and it was kind of hard to uh, find a career path in that when I was 5'10", 250 pounds in high school. <laughs> Hoops was not in the cards. And so I chased down some, you know, traditional career paths and just like never really felt the vibe. And I had this little voice in the back of my head that said, open a pizza shop, open a pizza shop. Um, so I just sort of went for it, made up the pizza on my own, um, was lucky enough to find my now fiance and business partner, Daniela who actually knows what she's doing and took things to the next level. Right. Um, and we've just kept at it. Pizza went well, as you said, won a couple awards. And then said, F it, you know, what's the logical next step after pizza? It's bagels. So you can have those warm car carbs, you know, three times a day. So is it a logical next step? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so I want to unpack a little bit of, because you, you, you're doing um, a nice job being humble, but I want to like, you know, get into... Um, the particulars of because pizza is something that the American eating public and especially the House of Carbs eating public takes very seriously. You can't just walk in and be a half-assed pizziola. You no, can't, sir. You don't just. It's a know, lifestyle. It's not a a um, you know. It's there's there's no room for amateurs. Like it's it's very open uh, minded. Everybody's right. welcome to give their their give their best shot. Yeah. But if you intend to sell pizza and make a living at selling pizza, it's gotta be bomb. It's gotta be bomb. Hundred percent. So, so you had it in your head as yeah. you were sort of growing. I up. gave you the super fast forward. No, but we have time. Yeah. This is a podcast. Let's, <laughs> right. let's talk. We're not, I don't have anywhere to be. I went to a grad school in New York and lived in Brooklyn. And I didn't know it at the time, but I was doing market research. I was eating pizza five times a week. I gained 15 pounds in grad school. Yeah. And so I was concocting this idea of what I wanted the pizza to be like. Um, now, I had never made pizza, so this was all just an idea. And, I, and um, let me tap the brakes for a second. What about your pizza eating experience in Washington? Because as you were growing up, as I grew up, 
um, there were there's there were like um, trusted places to go for pizza, for sure. but nobody ever thought of DC as a place to get great pizza, and people still look down their nose right. at pizza in DC. So what were you doing like in DC pizza? Was? Yeah, I mean, I grew up eating Domino's. Uh, we would get the uh, the pan pizza Domino's double baked. That's pretty good. Okay, <laughs> um, all right. That was how you know if I had a babysitter, my parents would sort of bribe me to not be a total animal. Uh, yeah, uh, I sure. grew up on Armand's, which was basically fake Chicago style. Yeah, I have. Um, so I have my list. I'm a little older than you, um, or maybe a lot older than you. But my list is like Lido's because I want some Lido's. I never loved Lido's. Just. It almost tastes like like croissant dough. It can be an acquired yeah. taste for sure. I had it so early in my youth growing up that yeah. I have it associated in I my brain that. with some terrific um, experiences and with friends. Yeah. Um, and so I love it. It's a sweet sauce. It's a very thin um, crust. It can get gummy. I like that. It's re- rectangular. It's rectangular. They don't cut corners, as they say. That's exactly right. So I, I personally love Lido's um, for, for the nostalgia of my childhood. And I still eat it it's terrific um and vache the og oh, vache is the og that's right? that's i have it pulsing through my veins i yes. had so much of it growing up it's the sauces on top of the cheese the bottom is so crispy um whenever you do just the bottom check it's like tapping a piece of cardboard but in a good way yeah it like crispy the sauce is like it's sweet it's salty there's something in there it's hard to describe so let's nerd out for one more second on bache because you mentioned the sauce is on top of the cheese folks don't really get that is that in your own pizza travels now you are a, a renowned national pizza expert <laughs> yeah. and a and a and a successful boy yeah and a successful pizza entrepreneur um, have you encountered that style of pizza in other places? Not do you, a do ton. Folks do it? Yeah. There's that place in Rehoboth Beach that does like the swirl sauce on top. That's Grotto. Grotto, that's yeah. right. There's not a ton of places that are doing like the full-fledged coverage sauce. I guess Chicago style a little bit. Yes. That's more lasagna than it is pizza in my opinion. Right, right, right. Um, so, I mean, I th- I think it's like half run by Argentinians because there's like they're selling like mate and alfajores there. So, I think they just sort of made up their own riff, and it's absolutely delicious. Yeah, and it's been around for decades. Oh, yeah, and the with, same with women style. have worked the front counter since I was like five years exactly. old. Yeah, it's That's unbelievable. Right. Yeah, yeah. A, a true iconic DC. Yeah, and the frozen pasta there is crazy. Right, so right. Good. Yeah. yeah, that's it. But I, I, I stopped you. You were doing real market research when you left DC, got up to Brooklyn. Yes. You're in grad school, and and that's when you know boots on the ground. You're not just gonna, grinding it out, eating pizza, it. man. You're not going to get anything uh, in 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 the entire world like uh, in terms of a pizza indoctrination, for like, sure, like Brooklyn or, or New York City. And I and I just sort of live close to a little pizzeria that I didn't I didn't do a ton of research called Lucali's, which is now world famous. <laughs> and it yeah, was a little pizza yeah. place, yeah. But for real, like I just sort of stumbled there one day and sure. didn't know what it was. And I was like, holy shit, this yes. is incredible. And I ate a whole large pie by myself the first time I was there. And it's incredible. And I, mean, I would go multiple, heart. like I would go like three times a month. Um, I went back after grad school and I told Mark, the owner, I told him I came to New York to go to grad school to go into business. And I opened a pizzeria because I came and ate here like multiple times a month. Oh, that's very yeah. cool. I'm sure he loved that story. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. So that's let's call that the inspiration. Um, you finished grad school. You come back to the DC area? Moved straight back. Um, started a job at a 
real estate development company called Douglas Development. I uh, got fired after two weeks. Congrats. He told me he could hire a homeless person to do my job for $250 a week. And I said, all righty, thank you. Um, then that I went very nice. That wasn't nice. That wasn't nice. I guess he, he wasn't feeling my vibe. It wasn't his best day uh, no. or your best day, I guess. Guess not. Uh, and then I worked for an education technology company called Everfi. Really cool company. Um, but financial literacy is certainly not my passion. My passion was going to lunch and we would take these like delusional two hour lunch breaks. We would go down to the wharf and pick blue crabs for two hours and come back. And our boss would be like, what the hell is wrong with you? And like, this is you- the wharf before the wharf. Yes, wharf before this is, it's this is all bougie. Southwest Washington, Pre-bougie DC, wharf, yes. Where, you know, there, there have been, again, speaking of iconic, legendary, um, you know, food traditions, the place to get the fresh seafood, crabs, you know, the, the sort yeah. of Maryland style crabs right down the southwest waterfront that's what we used to, it was the waterfront right now it's the wharf right because several billion dollars right. of, of of you know have been of development have gone so you could there. call down there and say we'll be there in 30 minutes and they would steam the crabs and they'd be ready for you so yes. this is like the kind of shit we were getting into at lunch breaks right and so i realized maybe this office lifestyle is not for me <laughs> <laughs> the lunch was the highlight <laughs> yeah. of the day 100 percent of so my you, life basically you knew you learned that lesson yeah. early which is a good yes. good for you you know Follow your passion young, lunch as, as yeah <laughs> right. Okay. So you you sort of uh, realize you look in the mirror and say, "Office life, probably not my life. Not for me." How how do you get from there to to where we are right yeah, now? Yeah, it's uh, when I lived in Brooklyn, the Brooklyn flea market had this um, wood fired pizza shop called Pizza Moto. When I was there, it was really cool. Um, so I sort of had that idea baked in my head that like this would be an interesting way to start and go to farmers markets, festivals. So basically one night in February, my buddy Chris and I bought this oven sight unseen from a company in Boulder, Colorado. And they were like, it'll be ready in three months. And so we like looked at each other and we're like, I guess we should figure out A, how to make pizza, B, how to run a business, C, how to get like the legal documents we need. And it was like, honestly, just like a mad dash for three months to get our shit together. I started reading all sorts of books on pizza and dough making um and uh, just like little by little we started chugging away at it this epiphany moment where you and chris are together and you go online to find this yeah this basically thing. um i don't want to get you in trouble with your parents or your loved ones alcohol drugs like what was the what was the how <laughs> under the influence because like this thing this inspiration yeah. like we're gonna find a pizza oven the best one in the united states or whatever fits you know some it's it's right. it's, a, it's a combination of best and what what most yeah. um will deliver to you what you, you had guys had in mind in terms of starting off but that's not like a four o'clock hey it's four o'clock let's go online and check something out maybe four twenty that's an awful <laughs> joke terrible bad job yeah, by right, me right. bad job by me scary enough this was a sober decision wow it was fueled by I think hatred for our job okay it was like a night in February where it gets dark at like. 4 yeah. 30 Awful. we're in the office at six it's cold we're like man this sucks oh so he was your office mate yeah we were office okay, okay 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 so we were like this sucks yeah. like let's roll out right and that was pretty much it um how expensive was the oven the uh so we needed an oven a truck and all tables all in was thirty two thousand dollars um, well, as a young man, it wasn't like the two of you just had like bank accounts. You know, no, flushed. I was pretty much it. And we were, you know, hustling in sales. Yes. I had like gotten a bonus for basically that much. And he had done okay in sales and got it. We had no responsibilities. And I moved out of my reasonable apartment into 
my friend's apartment and I lived in his baby's room. So yes. I lived in a room with a crib. Right. And then I moved from there to my friend's dad's basement, which was like basically sort of like a mold zone, mm-hmm. toughed that out. Mm-hmm. Moved to another friend's house, moved into their spare bedroom until they had a baby. I got kicked out. So yeah, but that's what you have to do. <laughs> you got to grind like, it if out. If you take all your cash for sure and buy a pizza oven with it, then you yeah. don't, you you have to figure out a way to live. In the first year of and Timber you're, you're Mobile, telling, yeah. I made twelve thousand dollars. Right, total. So let's talk about Timber Mobile. Yeah, because part of what you had in mind was not just the oven, but also the truck itself. Because yeah. and this is the thing um, that I do want to pat you on the back a little bit is the sort of foresight, or maybe it was dumb luck. To think about um, the the grassroots way yeah. of building um, a brand, building an identity, building something of interest to folks, because yeah. because now like you know the the, the progression before um, Timber and then w- well before Call Your Mother were brick and mortar places. They're they're at the, the farmers market, the farmers circuit. market, yes, sir. And that's it. So the farmers market circuit here in Washington D.C. pretty robust. Like there's yeah. like a half dozen to a dozen, yeah. depending on how broad you want to uh, take the map and spread it yeah. out. Um, tell us like what you were doing in that, yeah, in that, so in that there, zone. At this point, the food truck game was crazy in D.C. There were so many food trucks and there were these apps and there was a raffle. So you had to pull a ticket and that's where you had to park. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, I don't that game does not sound like a good game to me. So what I liked about the farmer's market is a you're in the same place every week. So you can build like a loyal clientele that they know every Thursday Timber's going to be here. So we really liked that. B, it's super cheap. They either take a percentage of sales or no sales. So it's basically rent free. Oh, because they're happy to have, yeah, you know, something attractive. Exactly. Um, and then for two guys who had no restaurant industry, it was the connections we made there were invaluable. So we met these farmers and these purveyors and like a lot of them we still use today. Um, and so it just like made so much sense. And then when you're thinking of your typical customer at a farmer's market, they're sort of nice, they're understanding, they see you working hard. So we felt like we could like work out some of our lumps at the farmer's market before you go brick and mortar. Cause at brick and mortar, people have no patience. They don't right. give a shit what's going on. They want their product, they want equality. So it was like a nice testing ground and we we're able to do it without putting out a huge, huge financial sort of gamble did you um based on your experience in brooklyn and the flea market thing did you um anticipate that it would work out the way that it worked out or did you kind of hope you or you worked towards that you said this is deliberately our our business plan this is going to work or not work based on how we succeed in the farmer's market space i I think the dream was always to open a restaurant and we really looked at the mobile as like a testing ground I don't think we knew it was going to be as busy as it was. So like the first day ever, we went to a brewery in Rockville called Bain Hounds, which no longer exists. And we sold 40 pizzas. And we were like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, sweet. And then the next day, we went to the USDA Farmer's Market, which is at 12th and Independence, and got our freaking teeth kicked in. (laughs) And we sold like 180 pizzas. And we had no clue what we were doing. People were waiting an hour for pizza. Oh, my God. I was loading pizzas, making pizzas, putting them in the oven, also cutting. Chris was cooking. I mean, it was chaos. Yes. And so I think 
we did not realize it was going to be as popular as it is. And now we do at the USDA, we do like 450 pizzas now. And it's like a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Um, for the sports fans out there, Georgie Murison got a pizza at the Potomac farmer's market. And that's when we realized we were on something. <laughs> Georgie, big Georgie, yeah. big number 77, yes, legendary bullet slash wizard. Um, so that's, I, 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 uh, am, am really taken by, this trial by farmers market yeah because of what you you described in the way of the connections and so forth but like also you learned a lesson right away about scale for sure right like for sure how are we going to do this 100 percent, yeah speed and quality all if we had just opened the restaurant right away we would have gotten just molly opening so, yeah so how did you guys come up with like the recipe for the dough what was your concept in the way of, of yeah, like building the, blocks of pizza for the dough i, I just sort of had this picture of like if a New York style slice had a baby with like a classic Neapolitan pizza uh -huh. where I wanted it to be in a wood fired oven, but I wanted it to be a little crispier than your typical Neapolitan pizza. And Neapolitan pizza always has that like fresh mozzarella on it, which is incredible. But like, I also like like the shredded mozzarella too. So I was like, why can't we just put both on there? So um, it's not very chefy, but I was like, let's just have these two styles have a baby. And then we did that. And what about the sauce? And then the sauce, we just like, we did a bunch of trial and error. Like the sauce I like is always very simple and acidic and cutting through the fat of the cheese. So we just like tested a million types of tomatoes, basil, salt, olive oil. We were cooking it. And then I realized that most of the Neapolitan places put the sauce raw on the pizza. So it cooks in the oven. So it keeps that freshness and that brightness. And that was like the aha moment for us. Because every time you're cooking it, it gets sort of like dark. Sure. Um, and I think what's beautiful is like you have all that that fattiness and richness from the cheese and to have something like super light and bright on sauce. So that's interesting. What, why were you cooking it in the first place? So we had no clue what we were doing. Oh, <laughs> <There> was like, <laughs> I was like, of course oh, you cook the sauce. It's, it's tomato sauce. It's an experiment. Like you were there was something about the molecular effect of, Joe, of the heat. When, when we started, I was we were testing pizza in my parents alley <laughs> and my parents kitchen was under renovation. So I was making sauce in the bathtub. So my parents would come home from work and literally thought somebody got murdered in the bathtub. So there was not like some chefy thought behind this. We were just one day at a time survival mode. I mean, we this is really a great story to kick off uh, 2020 <laughs> because it does sort of remind all the hungry homies, all the taste buds out there. The barrier to entry with food is low. Mad low. <laughs> you just, <laughs> just got to show up every day. That's that, what we that, did well. <laughs> but, but, you know. Um, you can also get your ass kicked out very quickly. For sure. You know, the exit door is wide open. For sure. Unless you find something that works. So I want to, I know we're really hammering the pizza thing, but I, mm -hmm. it's very instructive um, because I think it does set the table, yeah. so to speak, for all of the rest of, of um, where we are. And by right. the way, I should mention, uh, my boy AD showed up here today with an incredible array an offering from Call Your Mother. I'm looking at it. I'm fighting the urge to not eat these bagels. They are stuffed to the gills. They smell spectacular. We have pictures. You will see them on the gram. But I'm I'm not going to eat because I'm a professional. But I want to thank you for, for that. And I just want to we'll let snack after the pot. The, the culinary comrades out there. I want them to understand my dedication to craft here. You're, you're the real deal. But this is the dedication to craft yeah. kind of concept that I I, I want to 
um, get to the bottom of with you, you talk about networking with the folks that you meet at the, the farmer's mm-hmm. market. So that means the components for the dough, the components for the cheese, the components for toppings, all of the everything. Yeah. yeah. And in in that um, experience, how are you thinking about um, the toppings for the pizza? What's mm-hmm. going to go? How, how do you come up with that? What's that process? Yeah, I mean, so sort of across the board, I think the thing we do well is our palettes are sort of like the common person's palette. We don't have these crazy chefy palettes. We're not trying to do anything like super esoteric. So we're just like trying to do fun uh, combinations that are good. Um, we also are not like corn balls. So we're not looking to do like Buffalo chicken pizza. We just want to use like real good seasonal ingredients. And this was born out of the farmer's market. And again, this is like some of this stuff was just luck where we have this pizza called the green monster. That's pesto. It's incredible. You're the man. Yeah. Pesto, zucchini, um, kale, feta, fresh mozzarella. At first it was asparagus and spinach. And then it was all right. And then one day we show up to the farmer's market and the farmers don't have asparagus and spinach. And I was like, oh, seasonal. Things grow at different times of the year. (laughs) And just out of necessity, we picked out kale and zucchini. And I was like, oh, this is actually much better. And, you know, we got more thoughtful over the years and adding Danny to the mix. Absolutely, we got more thoughtful. But it's just picking, like, really good local ingredients. We have a pizza that has jalapenos, nectarines, and bacon on it. And it's just like the sweet, it's the spicy. Oh, yeah, that's right up my alley. It's basically like a grown, sexy, hip Hawaiian pizza. Yeah, that that's fine. Like I, I'm uh, a staunch anti pineapple person. Yeah. Um, but that I'm also a staunch eater, so I eat everything. I won't. <laughs> yeah. Not, you know, not there eat it. And I'm. I like this idea. I don't mind the concept of citrus. Um, with no, it. it's good, and it's yeah. like that little sweetness with the heat. Um, and I think that pizza is like a good representation of what we try to do. We're not trying to do too much, let the ingredients speak for itself and just find like little interesting twists that work. Yeah. So I want to talk about, um, how you got to the the brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. And this is maybe my favorite part, uh, of your entire, um, resume, the the, scared what you're about to say, the, the piece that arrived, it says, you know, years later and with the addition of a classically trained chef you know timbers using the dough recipe that you imagine and the thing that I, that cracked me up was like the addition of a classically trained chef we're talking about your fiance yes sir right but she was not at the time okay she was married to another man at the time uh-oh yeah we can get it it's a long it was a long windy road that's fine we have time <laughs> it's a podcast um so she she was been recognized in 2017 as an eater young gun mm-hmm. an acclaimed chef with with genuine chef chops how did the two of you connect back when and and you know this the usda farmers market which i mentioned earlier is you know responsible for lots of our success she was waiting for a job to start at a fine dining restaurant called shaw bijou which opened and closed oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, I, i remember and she was doing private catering like you know killing time waiting for the restaurant to open and she was at the farmers market we were selling pizza and she came up to us and was like, hey, like, I'm a chef. Do you guys need any part-time help? And legitimately, like, it was, like, one of those where you, like, look behind you. You're like, what? Like, only my friends had worked for us. Only, like, the biggest schmucks in the world had worked for us. And we're like, you want to work for us? Sure. Yeah, she worked at 11 Madison Yeah, in no, New York, she was so, like, like <laughs> this is so then the first, top of the food yeah. chain, top of the food game. So the first day she shows up to a gig and, you know, we're prepping the aforementioned Green Monster. And she's like, what can I do? And we're like, why don't you cut the zucchini? 
And she's like, all right, where's the cutting board? We're like, cutting board, man? Cut that shit on the table. <laughs> she was like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. And she cut zucchini in a way we had never. It was like, honestly, something out of a movie. We were all watching her. We were like, holy shit. Yes. Um, so that was basically her tryout was how she cut zucchini, which is a pretty low bar, but she nailed it. And pretty soon after that, I started recruiting her and was like, you got to be the chef. You got to join the team. She kept saying, hell no. Right. I, you know, I'm coming from 11 Madison Park. I went to the CIA. I'm not making pizza with you schmucks. Yeah. Um, and I just sort of wore her down over like the next three, four months and uh, offered her equity and she took it. And it's just been like off to the races ever since. Yeah. She then got divorced. No, I mean, your we, we your boy to, slid in, yeah, and I, now I get the all rest that. is history. That makes sense. I mean, this you you do have a business degree, uh, <laughs> and, and so I, I appreciate the that that's a that you you got your money's worth <laughs> absolutely by buying. You know, she's in the family now. Yes, sir. That's um, it. That you mentioned, she had spent some time in Washington at the Culinary Institute of America. Um, that was part of her training. She's yep. Argentinian by background. Yep. And, you know, shortly after, um, you know, going through that training, she ended up in New York. She went to CIA in Hyde Park. So she was up in New York. Oh, okay. She moved here as an au pair 10 years ago. Oh, I was see. Was babysitting. Then went to this local community school for culinary arts for immigrants. Oh, okay. I knew that she had done some training. So she did it in D.C. Here in D.C. Only student ever to get a scholarship to the CIA in the history of the school. Wow. Goes up to Hyde Park, crushes there, goes to Lavin Medicine Park, crushes there, is moving down for the Shaw Bijou, and then met your boy Drew. Oh, my goodness Now she's pizza and bagels. She recognizes the trade-off that she made in life. A hundred percent. Okay. So so far – so good. So um, Timber's, you know, crushing it, still crushing it, recognized both locally and nationally. Yeah. Um, that Bon Appetit thing really changed changed the game for us. So, um, And just, like, a lot of restaurants open in, like, game plan for these Bon Appetit lists, right? And, like, they have a binder in the back with all of their photos and all that stuff. We did not do any of that. We didn't even know this list existed. Right. Like, legitimately, we were just, like – Let's make great pizza every day. Let's be a neighborhood joint. For those of you who don't know DC, we're like definitely not near downtown. We're in like right. a very residential neighborhood on a little strip. There's like four other restaurants. And we were just like, let's make good neighborhood pizza. Let's be a cool spot. Let's have fun jams. And that was it. Julia Kramer came. Yeah. I didn't even know who she was at the time. Right. My friend texted me and said, oh my God, Julia Kramer was there. And I was like, who the hell is Julia Kramer? <laughs> um and then, so I'm in Lake George with my family, and my phone explodes. And I don't have that many friends. My phone doesn't explode. And I was like, what the hell? And I click on the link, and it says Bon Appetit List. And I was like, oh, this is cool. But I didn't sort of understand what it meant. Right. And overnight, our sales went up 40%, now sustained for over two years. Oh, wow. And it just opened all these doors. It opened the door for Call Your Mother. So uh, we owe Julia Kramer and Bon Appetit. Loads yeah. and loads and loads of credit because totally changed the trajectory. Well, friends of the pod, obviously. Yes. We 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 uh, my my boy uh, Adam Rappaport, um, and we've talked over the years with Andrew Knowlton. We've never had a chance to chat with Julia, um, but those two have been we're, we're like you know um, partners in crime yeah. in terms of building the Bon Appetit uh, best new list yeah. every year, the hot list. It's crazy. Um, we're on it again this year for Call Your Mother. It's oh, well, that that bonkers. It, yeah, and, and Eater. Yeah. Um, once you're doing uh, brick and mortar at Timber, Danny's doing her thing. It's it's roaring along. Mm-hmm. Where's the the sort of inspiration for bagels? Where's where when's that enter the picture? Yeah, so 
September, you know, we're like two years in. It's finally starting to like semi run smoothly where we're not in there every single night. Like legitimately for the first two years, I was making pizza and Danny was making pizza every night. Yes. And so basically after two years, finally it was starting to get semi smooth. So we're thinking of the next thing to do. Um, and then I meet this guy, Jeff Zients, just sort of a friend of a friend of a friend said, will you have lunch with my friend Jeff? He wants to open a deli. So I'm like, sure. I think Jeff's going to be some like 23-year-old schmuck who doesn't know anything. I walk in. Jeff is not a 23-year-old schmuck. Yeah. He's a very successful businessman. Right. I should have done my homework. I didn't. <laughs> I walk in in like a hoodie and a backpack. Oh, and I was boy. like, what? So we go to lunch. Um, and I still don't really know who he is. And he's talking about he wants to open, you know, a modern take on a Jewish deli with white tablecloths. And I was like, that's honestly such a played out idea. I hate that. Um, if I were going to do it, I would make it like basically a bagel shop and keep it kind of grungy. Then I go home and I Google him and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Andrew, you should have been a little nicer. What the hell's wrong with you? But I think he like appreciated that I kept it real. He said, why don't you flush out the idea? We ended up partnering. He's basically my best friend now. We text and call all the time. Um, and he's helping us build this business and helping us fund it. And then for Danny, I go to Danny. I'm like, you want to make bagels? And she's like, dude, I'm from Argentina. Like, I barely even know what a bagel is. Right. And I was like, it's not that different from pizza. We'll do it wood-fired because you love wood-fired cooking. Like, it'll be fine. What made you think to, to, to say that? Because it is different from making pizza. <laughs> Again, <laughs> I made like, the, pizza, you... <laughs> the pizza dough that we still use today. Yeah. I came up with in like three days. Uh-huh. So I was like, it can't be that fucking hard. Bagels are really hard. Yes, they are. It took us nine months to come up are. with this recipe. Yeah. We did, did, There's uh, a reason, you know. I, I was dumb luck with the timber recipe, basically. Yeah. And like, it stuck. Um, and then the bagels, it just we grinded it out for nine months. Every weekend, we would take bagels over to Jeff's and then we would ship bagels down from New York and we yeah. do a blind taste test. Right. And then we just didn't stop until we were beating those bagels. Yeah. I saw, um, in some of the research that you guys, you, you did some Montreal sampling. Mm -hmm. I mean, the two renowned North America locations yeah. for bagels are Montreal and New York, yeah. um, New York, the greater New York, uh, Metro area. And, and so you were just doing t taste testing. It's a technique element to it as well though so i would say the 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 business relationship between me and danny is i have a huge mouth and get us into trouble and then she has to figure it out okay i basically said hmm the recipe for timber worked combining two types of pizza let's do the same for bagels and so i just started spouting off we're gonna make a combination of montreal and new york style we're gonna take the wood-fired style from montreal and the new york style and I'm like, Danny, you got that? And she's like, oh, fuck. Um, and, but credit to her. She like grinded it out for nine months. And I think the product's super, super delicious. I leave the technique to her and the chirping to me. And uh, okay, it's a good combination. And what about the inspiration? So let's go through. Let's just look, go through what's in this box right now. Because um, I want to talk about, you know. How, your 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 approach to the sort of innovation of what goes inside yeah. the bagel and and you know um, it is I don't want to go crazy like it's like the most revolutionary thing ever right. but there are some great combos in yeah. here that are not intuitive and not stuff that you could find anywhere yeah I'd say like some like a couple of our most sort of unique bagels is one we call it the Craig D named after Craig David the R and B singer from uh, England who I believe is one eighth Jewish okay. hence the Jew dash ish. 
Uh, and it's a seasonal fruit cream cheese. So right now it's apple cream cheese, slices of apple, jalapenos, bacon, and then chips. Oh, wow. So the chips for the crunch. Crunch. So that one's Love pretty that. chronic. Soft on the outside, crunchy there in the is, middle. Man. And the jalapeno for a little. A little heat. You're, you're talking I, my I language. Love it. I love it. Uh, then we have one. It's called the Amari, named after Amari Stoudemire. Um, NBA player also rocks a little bit of Judaism. It's well, on- he he he's like uh, made news for his interest in in the the Torah, right? Yeah, and he, he like he- went on like a pilgrimage to Israel. Yeah, um, I don't know his current practicing uh, situation. Um, so it's on a Zatar bagel. So that's like one of our unique bagels, Middle Eastern spice blend. And then we make uh, candied salmon cream cheese, uh, which is 50% uh, candied salmon, 50% cream cheese. So it's not like one of these, like, oh, a little bit of cream cheese. It's like heavy duty. A lot of cream cheese. Um, Cucumbers, uh, pea shoots, and then crispy shallots. So again, a little crunch, using good seasonal greens. Um, and then another one we have here, this is the Julian named after Julian Edelman. Shout out New England Patriots. No shout out in New England shout Patriots. Out New England Patriots. New England Patriots can suck it. <laughs> My dad's from Boston. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, it's a chocolate bagel, uh, raspberry cream cheese, fresh raspberries, and then chocolate babka crumble. Oh my so God. It's carb on carb. When and you, when you and, need a lot of energy. And dessert. And dessert. That sounds spectacular. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty Like bomb. after like a, pro, a protein heavy kind of dinner kind of thing, or you've got it. your vegetables, you've earned the right that's it. to go. And and I I mean, I want to just gorge. That's, 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 that's what we're here for. Gorgeous. That's I mean, what we're here for. Yeah. And then we have some like, we have a white fish bacon in pea shoots. We have our take on a peanut butter and jelly. So it's, you know, we grind the peanuts, house made jam seasonal fruit and then we put granola in there for the crunch we're big on the crunch joe that's interesting yeah we love now, the crunch now in your own research as you went through did you find other folks doing um crunch as an as an inside the box kind of vibe not really i mean again um the benefit of danny being from argentina is she really had no canvas like on what a bagel should be yeah so she was coming at it sort of out of left field creating that's why she came up with the zatar and then I'm just like a fat boy at heart. So I'm like, yo, let's put some chips in that thing. And she's yes. like, you're an idiot. And then we try it and it's pretty good. Yeah. So the combination of me being sort of a fat boy maniac and her having this blank blank canvas was was money in the bank. That's terrific. So I'm I'm a huge fan of the legendary Rihanna. Rihanna Flex. Yeah. Well, so why why that name? So my favorite singer is named The Dream. He's an RB singer, not yes. that well known, but legendary producer. Um, Rihanna sings a song, you know, work, 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 work. This bagel is basically the works. And then the dream wrote a song an ode to Rihanna called Rihanna flex. Okay. So I don't know. I'm what's, just a maniac. In, what's inside this thing? It is the works. Yeah. It's cream cheese, smoked salmon from our friends over at Ivy city smokehouse and Ivy city tomatoes, capers, onion, cucumber on an everything bagel. And if you can't see, I'd say one of our big differences in our bagels is we do full coverage on the seeds, mm-hmm. top to bottom. None of this just seeds on the top, and you're fighting over the top, and nobody wants the bottom. It's where top and booty is full covered. So. Yes, Ter- terrific. I'm going to stay away from that. I feel like I shouldn't make any <laughs> jokes about that. Um, and and I will say it is my favorite because of the extremely efficient and tidy way it takes all of my favorite um bagel and locks ingredients 
and gets them all in in the right ratio. It's a giant sandwich. It is, which is very appealing to me. <laughs> um, and it really is, you know, to me as a as a lover of the of the white fish, the lox. I'm, yeah. I'm I think in a different another life I was Jewish at some point. I really you do. can be you can be an honorary member of, I, of the tribe. I, I absolutely like the, the matzo ball soup is one of my all time favorite the, soups. The real move, like the the OG sort of Jewish deli fans. They do white fish plus smoked salmon on it, which is Bang. just the fish bomb. I can do that. I mean, through. if you get it, you know, and I, I, I'll dip. I mean, if there's a white fish spread, <laughs> I can we'll dip. find something for you to dip. We can yeah. make it all work. Uh, and then there's one on here that that's got some some chopped meat in it. it looks no, like. it's hummus. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. so it's a, a a seasonal slaw that's cabbage and carrots with a light vinaigrette spicy sunflower seeds and then a house-made hummus and we do that on a zatar bagel so uh vegan oh that's bagel. the name no it's called mila after mila kunis mila kunis yeah she's jewish mean, too oh sure we just find celebrities who are like sort of jewish or <laughs> Have people don't know they're jewish or a connection okay yeah. what's the best seller the best seller we did not bring is the shine and so you can either get it with bacon, so it's bacon, egg, and cheese, or pastrami, egg, and cheese, yeah. and then we make a spicy honey and put it on there. We use American cheese and then a really sharp white cheddar, so you're getting that creaminess of the American, that sharp kick of the white cheddar, good local eggs from our Amish friends, um, and then the bacon is the best bacon I've ever tried. It's from Liberty Delights Farm in Maryland. And oh, it's, okay. We have tried so much bacon, and it is the undefeated champion of the world bacon so so i'll tell you um when folks are coming into town we just uh passed the one-year birthday of call call your mother october 2018 yes right storefront opened up so we're 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 a year in um over the course of this year as i i got to try these myself when i have people coming into town for whatever events or things um you know uh weddings you know whatever social stuff um bring them to Washington DC. I tell them they need to make time in their Sunday morning for their, as part of their recovery, uh, to get out. Now <laughs> the, it's the not shine again, is good for the recovery. It's not that the shine is the one to get. And it's like the, the legendary thing in Washington DC. I mean, part of the challenge you can, you can vouch for this for where you grew up there. Washington never had an iconic breakfast sandwich for, no, for me growing up. No. I there was no, I mean, part of the thing also is like, there was no great delis in Washington. Yeah. You know, like there was Crouppen's, which was up in the Tenley town Crouppen's area. Was all right. Yeah. It's, it's a right. Jewish deli. Yeah. And those guys were at it for a long time Yeah, and they did a, a, a great job. Um, there is a, an, a, an Italian deli, um, kind of over in what's now being called, it's I, I think it's in Ivy City called A La Terry. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's been there for very years, good sandwiches years. there. Yes, incredible. Yeah, but that's not a place that you get a breakfast sandwich no. at. And then you know um, the Parkway Deli, which right. is up in Silver Spring. I grew up um, with that being part yeah. of my orbit, so I could get over there. But like, there's not a huge. You you can't say no. It's like a Starbucks town. People that's are getting exactly like Starbucks right. for breakfast. Yeah. And, I think there's more and more stuff happening in this town, and it's great. And I'm glad we could fill sort of a need, and the people have been super into it thus far. So but you, cool. you, you guys did the same thing with Call Your Mother before the brick and mortar opened, which was get to the farmers markets yeah. and have the sandwiches and get the lines going and get that word of mouth going. What sandwiches were you doing at the farmers markets? Before? Yeah, I mean, a it was just like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We we're like this worked for timber. Let's let's play by the same playbook. Um, 
it's really hard to cook eggs and stuff at the farmer's market. So we were just doing bagels and then we would bring our house made cream cheese, smoked salmon from Ivy city. Um, and then we would make a special from veggies and stuff we could find at the market that day. So totally different stuff every day. Sometimes we would get, you know, kimchi from number one sons, which is a pickling company oh. and do something like that. So is there, um, are there any on the menu now with kimchi? Not currently, but yeah. it's, we're in the, we're always in the lab. Jim. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. We're always in the lab. And the same is true with the pizza menu yep. too, right? Change it four times a year. So keep it seasonal, keep people on their toes. Uh, and then we have wood-fired empanadas on the menu from Danny's Heritage in oh. Argentina, which are crazy good. Um, and those rotate too. So we just had a pastrami brisket one that we dipped in a spicy pineapple sauce. That oh. was just like, oh my god, yeah, get out of town, You're killing me. Yeah. Uh, in addition to um, the bagel fair at Call Your Mother, there's speaking of Danny and and some of her Argentinian traditions. I can't pronounce it. You 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 can alfajores. Yeah, the cookies. Yeah, yeah. It's these alfajores is basically basically an Argentinian Oreo. It's two little cookies with dulce de leche in the middle. Mm. And then we said, why don't we turn this into like a Jewish black and white deli cookie? Yes. And so now it has the outside and it's it's dangerous. And you, they go down in like one or two bites. And when you're just working in the deli, walking around, it's like you can put six or seven of those down in a day, which is not good for anybody. And there's also like a, a, a sandwich at, at, at Call Your Mother, right? Yeah, we have, again, like our menus are just stuff we really like. Yes. And so when we were opening this this place, I was like, honestly, I don't really like a Reuben. Like mm -hmm. maybe I want a Reuben once a year, but I'm not like, I don't crave a Reuben a lot. Yeah. So I was like, what's something interesting we could do that's an ode to a Jewish deli, but sort of its own thing. So we bake our own challah sub rolls and we do a pastrami and brisket cheesesteak. So chopped mm. on the griddle with the cheese and sofrito on the challah sub roll. So we do a couple sandwiches like that. Um, and then a lot of our kitchen is from Central America. And so for breakfast, they were making their own tortillas and then putting this brisket pastrami mix on them. Oh. And it was delusionally good. Yes. So we put that on the menu. So now we have <laughs> right, brisket pastrami tacos on the menu, which are out of control. Um, and then lakas, of course, because you got to. Then we do a pizza bagel because Timber Pizza and Call Your Mother it, it's sexing it up. It's on brand. Yeah, exactly. Um, any thoughts? And now we're going to get to like the pipeline and what's coming up and what 2020 holds. But yeah. like my only complaint whatsoever is like this food is all day food. Yes. Yeah, like and 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 to start through the first year, you guys are only open till two o'clock. Yeah, we're working on that. We're yeah. only open till two. Yeah, and I'm I'm not complaining. I'm just um, sharing with you my enthusiasm for you. If you were open till now, I don't know what the neighborhood is like at eleven o'clock at night. It, I mean, I think the neighborhood would support it. Yeah. The honest to God truth is, this has been like ten times busier than we thought it would be. Yes, we're like. Let's open a bagel shop in Parkview, which, like our pizza shop, is sort of a residential neighborhood. There's not a ton going on. Right. So it's a portion of, of the city that's near the neighborhood where, where um, Timber is. Right. Timber's in a neighborhood called Petworth, which is about 10 minutes outside of, of downtown. Yeah. And Parkview is like an adjacent neighborhood, maybe 12 minutes right. from, from downtown. So the business plan that I wrote was like, we're going to have to do lots of catering and be really lean on staff. And we'd be lucky to do 50 bagel sandwiches during the week. And then as you know, you said, I guess people were thirsty for a bagel sandwich and breakfast sandwich here. We legitimately got the door kicked in the first day we were open. Yeah. We had a line down the block and we were like, holy shit, what do we do? So we closed for a couple of days, made the menu a little tighter. Um, and so right now we're just like figuring out how to produce more, how to produce more and keep the quality. Yes. But the, the dream is to 
open more locations and expand hours. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, why would you not want to come in at seven o'clock and get one of the sandwiches or a bagel or a taco and a beer? And we yeah. have our liquor license, so you can come get a beer and some tacos and latkes. Like that sounds like yeah. a nice time. I to would make. like to. Yeah, and well, I'm working of, on it for it, you. It's not out of the way for me to go swing through Parkview <laughs> on my way up. up, up <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, home. Say no um, more. Say no more. You guys already announced uh, the Georgetown, <laughs> yeah, um, location for this, which I think is going to be. Speaking of working around the clock yeah. and keeping the menu tight, yeah. it's going to be insane. You, you're aware of this. Um, I think it's going to be good. We're having some issues with the neighbors there. Oh, um, is the location like a, a adjacent to where folks? It's 35th and O, so uh -huh. it's two blocks from the main entrance of the Georgetown University campus. Yeah. So it's a little off the beaten path, but, you know, it's on a commercial corridor. Yes. But, you know, when we were going to Georgetown, people just said, oh, Georgetown makes it so hard. And I was like, no way. Um, should have listened a little more. <laughs> Those Georgetown people, they, you know. Yeah. Again, this is like 2% of the Georgetown population. Right, right. Majority is super stoked to have us. So we're hoping to open that end of January. Um, 2020. 2020. So right. like, you know, not yeah. too, not right too far from here. And so, yeah, it'll be good. You know, college kids love bagels and oh, carbs yeah. and they're not counting carbs like adults do. So. And it, and it's Georgetown <laughs> still gets a ton of foot traffic from folks from out of town. Still, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. It it's, is it's absolutely popping. Always. And just, you know, the campus is always busy. Yeah. So uh, we're looking forward to, we currently sell bagels at the Georgetown university farmer's market on Wednesday. So uh -huh. sticking to the business plan and the business model, we go, we sell bagels there. And the lines look huge. The and lines are popping. Did they all go? No, exactly. no, you're not bringing bagels back. No, no, no. And the yeah. kids get excited. And then we said, let's do it. And it's an old, uh, our, our brand colors are pink and teal. Yes. And the lease we signed is on a building that is painted entirely pink. Oh, wow. So I basically picked that building just based on the fact that it was the color. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about what else is in the pipeline for, for 2020. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, so and we're gonna, beyond. For sure. You're going to get married. Gonna That's get, one thing. Get married this year in October, October 24th in uh, Patagonia, Argentina. Everybody's oh, wow. invited. Unbelievable. <clears throat> so we'll do like the big outside sort of Francis Mallman style asado, live oh. fire, full oh. animals cooking. So it'll be super cool. The pictures are going to be unbelievable. <clears throat> unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and we're going to open this Call Your Mother. We're working on a new concept called Mercy Me, which is sorta South American. So in the vibe of Jew dash ish, you know, yes. we we just we don't like to do anything super classic. Um, that's going to be in Foggy Bottom. So working on that menu, that'll be. So what what kind of food is that? Is that? I mean, I know what the words are when you say it, but yeah, you I, have I mean, guys have an idea. That's yeah, it'll be, be a lot of stuff. I think you'll see empanadas on the menu. You'll see some great meat. You'll see. You know, an example is we're working with uh, a local chef, Johanna. She's doing a coconut rice conch mm. arancini. Mm. So stuff like that. It's like there's odes to South America. There's odes to Central America, the Caribbean. Will there maybe be a shrimp and grits on the menu? Because why the hell not? Yeah. So it's going to be sort of all over the board, but okay. fun and, and dope. And it'll be open all day, all day cafe into a nighttime restaurant. So we'll do breakfast tacos at out of the cafe and good sort of you know, Amazonian fruit bowls and stuff like that. So something for everybody. And the space big enough to accommodate a lot of butts? It's very different than the spaces we've opened in that it is big. Yeah. That's um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we have stuck to the model of like picking really small places to sort of like 
mitigate the risk and we've been blessed that they've been insanely busy but right. the number one complaint we get is like oh you should put some more seats in here i'm like dude this is a thousand square foot what, <laughs> yeah, what, what do you so, want me to right. do yeah. exactly we can't do two couches like yeah. a lego movie yeah so this year get married open a sort of south american restaurant open another timber and hang on for dear life basically another call your mother the georgetown one and are you opening another timber also? Maybe when you're flying out of DCA in the not so distant future, All you right. might be able to get a timber. This is smart. This is great. That's really good. Well, look, um, I really can't sit here and continue to look at these bagels. They're right. staring me in the face. They're my my eyes are are, are doing things to them that it's not appropriate for, for a podcast. <laughs> it's getting even getting crazy an, in here, even with an E rating. Andrew Dana, incredible. Uh, opportunity. I'm so glad we met. The the carbs gods really wanted us That's to it, be man. together. Yeah. We're now Meant lifelong friends. Amen. And um, the only thing that I ask is, um, you know, whatever that that the number is, the secret insider number to not have to stand all the way at the back. Of the I line. got you. I don't mind being in line. Like I'm not going to be one of those jump the line. And all the hungry homies back there, you know. <laughs> we got a back just, door. We got a back door for the VIPs. So I'll, I'll give you the cell, and then just, we'll slide you in the back door. Every once in a while, I, I love to be with with all the culinary comrades out there. But we, sometimes I gotta have. Sometimes a shine. you're in a rush. You I gotta have I mean? a yeah, shot. Got That's exactly it. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you, man. It's been awesome. All right, my culinary comrades. There we go. That is how you start a new year, my friends. Check out our Instagram, at the House of Carbs. We have pictures of bagels. We have pictures of meat. We have pictures of me and Andrew Dana getting down in D.C. town. If you have pictures of your own holiday spreads, hit us up. Maybe we'll throw something up there. At the House of Carbs is the handle. Like I promised, next week, the kingpin himself, Danny Meyer. We have a long-form conversation that goes in a lot of different directions and covers a lot of time and space in your brain. I'm very excited for you to listen to that. My thanks to Andrew Dana. Until next week, my hungry homies. Let's stay hungry out there. <laughs> <laughs>